This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, talking Nets, down 2-0 in the series. Robin Ludberg, Hudson Flynn. We'll see if Keith McPherson can get away from daddy duty. He's got a, a baby and a, a cat uh, to tend to at the moment. The, the former probably a little bit more difficult to deal with than the latter. Nevertheless, the Nets with a difficult task in front of them. Hit the music, Alex. Wait, wait, wait. We're doing that Brooklyn, Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Robin Lundberg, Hudson Flynn here with you today. Keith McPherson, uh, a new father, uh, brand new father um congratulations to he and his wife he may be able to pop in here but we're going to hold down the fort uh for now uh, for jared williams and anybody else in the chat who's asking uh, about it jared williams says last night's game was frustrating to watch and hudson uh, you know when it's usually a really bad thing when your parents say to you like i'm not mad i'm just disappointed but in this case like i'm flipping that because i'm not mad at the team's effort, like they played hard, you know, they're, it's not for a lack of competing out there. I'm a little disappointed they didn't win the game last night because that was a winnable game. They held the Sixers under 100 points. Um, there were a couple things that really went against them. You know, the, the shot clock violation that wasn't called, a, a non-call on a travel. But really, I, I think it, it came down to them missing open looks from three, and that was the difference in the game. So I'm disappointed that this series isn't 1-1 because that was a chance to steal a game, but I'm not mad at the way the Nets have represented themselves. Yeah, I think game two was a really good response uh, from game one where, I mean, it's fair to say that in game one, the Nets did get their their doors blown off, right? They were pulling out their starters with four minutes left in the game. Not a great look, right? But to respond with not only the continued ability to contain I won't say shut down Joel Embiid to the extent that you can and to make the other players on the Sixers beat them you know I've been content with that and and I've said on Twitter and I will keep saying that the Nets game plan isn't not working it's not the game plan that's failing particularly in this last game that game was a a game that the Nets could have and probably should have in some cases won and I think I'm going to throw it to Keith who is fresh off daddy duty and is ready to contribute yo uh (laughs) let's not get swept i watched the game last night the first game i was watching in the hospital which was not ideal the 
sound was coming out of this like little remote attached to the bed. Um, let's not get swept. Last night I thought we had them first half, and then uh, second half Doc Rivers tightened them up, and they tightened up. You know, they're the better team. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're they're favored to to sweep. They're favored to win the series, but let's not get swept. Uh, they say the series doesn't start until the home team loses a game. And if you look around the rest of the series, a lot of series has started, but they handle business in Philly. Now they got to come to Brooklyn and uh, this Nets world has been built. There'll be plenty Nets fans in attendance. I'm sad that I can't go. I really am. And uh, I'm glad that you guys are holding it down. I really don't have too much time. I just wanted to pop in and, uh, you know, at least give an update on me. I'm good. Baby's good. Healthy. Wife is healthy. Um, it's just, she had the C-section, so she's recovering. And I think that's, um, important for people to know, especially like, this is my first time. I know Robin is experienced with this. I didn't exactly know what I was walking into, but it's a lot more on the dad, on the father to shoulder because your wife is hurt or the mother is hurt. Right. Like, um, but I've taken it full, you know, full speed ahead. I've taken it full on and, I'm enjoying the experience. It's just different. Like once you have a kid, yo, and once you see that baby that's depending on you and looking at you and needs you, it's like nothing else matters besides keeping this baby alive and healthy and happy. So, you know, even with uh, some of the other sports and stuff going on, you can't watch a game when you got to watch a kid. (laughs) It's like you got to literally keep your eyes on the baby. Um, and it, it's kind of tough to keep it. Like, it was definitely hard to watch a one o'clock Saturday game in the hospital. So that game, I mean, I didn't, I saw Mikael Bridges cooking a little bit, but then I had some other things to do. And then last night, you know, we had it going, some adjustments were made. Obviously uh, Embiid was slowed down. Harden was slowed down, but in the second half, they're, they're the better team. Don't get swept. But uh, I just wanted to pop in fellas. I'll let you guys host the show. Shout out to everybody that pulls up and, uh, Supports talking nets, everybody in the chat, man. You know what I was just thinking. I just told my wife, like I was I, like watching the baby and watching my cat. I'm like, hey, can you, you know, like just sit here for a couple minutes? Like I care about talking nets. And as you guys know, I did every episode on my own last season uh, with no help. There's no way I would have been able to have a kid last season and keep this going. But um, we're blessed. Everybody's healthy. And shout out to Robin and Hudson for being so solid all season and, uh, you know, carrying the weight for me the rest of the way through. Our world, Nets world. Shout out to all the Nets fans in the chat and shout out to these two for holding down the pod. Alex as well. Appreciate you guys. I'm not going to mess up what you guys got going. I just wanted to pop in while I could. Robin will, I'm sure, carry the, the rest of the way. I know Hudson will too, and Robin can speak too. Uh, he's got three kids of his own, and uh, this is my first. I, I don't plan on only having one. But I'm five days in and I'm learning a lot. I'm experiencing a lot. And um, my wife needs me and my, my baby needs me. And, man, I, I just realized nothing else is, is as important. Yeah, what that's the what's the phrase puts things into perspective. A few things real quick. A C-section yeah. is is actually a real major surgery. So of course, you know, hope the recovery goes well. Two, don't worry so much. You know, you always worry so much with the first one, and then you realize these these things are basically indestructible. It's always gonna be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, you know, when they get personally for me as a dad, I say this all the time. 
But when they get to like six months for a dad, for me, that's when it even gets better. Six months and on every day because that's when they're, you know, develop the personalities and the attachment to daddy. Obviously, Ooh. you've been helping out a lot, but mommy is the life sustenance force yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. at, at this point in time. But as far as the, the Nets Sixers go, you're right on the money. The Sixers are a better team. And the Nets have no margin for error. And, and one of the big stretches in that game, actually, I thought was at the end of the first half where Bridges gets fouled. He goes to the free throw line, misses both free throws. And instead of the Nets, you know, being up, they would have been up nine, I believe, at that point. They wound up five at the half, a little bit less of a cushion. And that's when I started to think that the Sixers were probably going to take the game. But, you know, Bridges did not shoot the ball well. It's going to be tough for them to win a game when he doesn't shoot the ball well, particularly when Nick Claxton and Spencer Dinwiddie have been garbage in this series. Nick, I don't even notice that Nick Claxton is playing, and the Nets are better off going He's barely ball. playing, actually, at this point. Well, because he shouldn't. Took, they, took him know, out the rotation. They should, they should go small, spread the floor like they did with DFS at center. I think that's their best chance. And then Dinwiddie just hasn't been good enough either, which, which brings up, you know, as we talk about this series, I, I think – one natural place for Nets fans to go is the future as well. And, and the biggest glaring need to me for this team is a scoring guard or a dynamic playmaking player of, of some kind. Somebody that can get into the paint, put pressure on the rim, kick it out, spray it out to the shooters, hit the little floaters. And fortunately enough, it seems as if the likes of Trey Young and Damian Lillard could be available this summer who do fit th this current uh, iteration of the Nets team. I'm not saying they have to go that way or or mortgage all their assets, but when you look at Bridges and Johnson and their ages, they're not old, but they're they're not young enough where you want to wait three years for draft picks to develop. You know, they're 26 years old, I believe. And those to me are the foundational guys at this point. Cam Johnson continues to impress. Those are the two I want to keep under any circumstances and build around. And I think if you can get one more guy of their caliber who's a ball handler, uh, and an attacking dynamic playmaker who can score, then I think the Nets are in, in serious business. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, Cam Thomas, you're a Portland Trailblazer next season. <laughs> uh, I see it. I, I see the vision. Uh, but yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. And I think part of the issue, too, has been just some serious inconsistency. The Nets, outside of uh, Cam Johnson in that last game, shot 30% from the field, which... The Nets were the fifth best three-point shooting team in the league, and they weren't too much worse uh, shooting from two, thanks to Nick Claxton being able to be a competent and functional player when not playing uh, against Joel Embiid. And so the Nets are in a situation where the game plan is working and they're getting players into good positions to hit good shots. They're just not hitting them. And we have seen a glaring lack of the ability to have an independent creator who can generate points on their own as kind of a guarantee. I think that's something that we just don't have and Mikhail Bridges will develop over time. And it seems Cam Johnson has flat shown flashes, but we just don't have that right now. And when you're in a situation where you're defending small ball, but with all wings, 
you're in a situation where you're playing with so many role players that you have to rely on one or two players, in this case, Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson, to create and to, you know, to score. But if I'm looking at the most glaring weakness from the last game, aside from our shot making, it was the stretches where we played Dinwiddie iso ball. Dinwiddie iso ball just quite frankly did not work. It was so infuriating to watch, to watch us waste and dribble out 10 seconds on, of every shot clock to work Spencer Dinwiddie into a drive, which did lead to kickouts to open shooters, but it just felt like it slowed the game down too much. And that plays into the Sixers hands. And we saw that the Nets were at their best when they were able to run and hit shots in open transition. And I think we lose that when you have uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who seems to be someone who likes the, likes the glory likes the spotlight on him, likes to try and take those shots, hoping that he'll hit them. But in, in the regular season, we saw the Nets had their most success when Spencer Dinwiddie was a good passer, when he was facilitating, when he was you know, leading the league in assists. But if he's going to be a, a dominant, ball-dominant player who doesn't swing the ball and who can't hit shots, and also, just like Mikhail Bridges in the first half, bricked back-to-back free throws, we're not going to have success. Because the recipe for success was what we saw in the first half, and that was just pure unselfish basketball combined with shot making. Well, yeah, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie misses way too many free throws to, to complain as much as he does. He, he complains, and then he, he finally gets there, and he doesn't uh, make it. Rahola88, though, writes in the chat, Dinwiddie not really a point guard, and I think that's part of the problem. He's just miscast. You know, to me, Dinwiddie is a combo guard off the bench. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, he, he's good enough to be a spot starter. He's actually played pretty well for the Nets since he got here. He's just not good enough at a few of those things one he, he doesn't seem to want to take it right to Embiid when Embiid is in the drop coverage you know it, taking it to the rack two he doesn't really have much of a mid-range floater game three his lobs haven't been working and then four he's just not shooting the ball that well you know he has one of those games where he shoots the ball well the, the Nets very well could win that game and, and, and I think that's kind of what we're hoping for now right one win you know let's do better than last season get one win I'm going to game three with my son uh, on Thursday, I, I hope it is that game. Um, as far as Jacques Vaughn goes, he's done a good job. I mean, the Sixers didn't even score 100 points in the game. That's an, an impressive, you know, job by the, the Nets defense. There are, are possible things he could try. Like, you could try Cam Thomas. I'm not against trying Cam Thomas, given his ability to score, but we've seen why Thomas isn't a part of the, the rotation regularly. But, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. You don't have anything to lose. I, I wouldn't mind it if he dusted off Cam Thomas. I, I've, I've been advocating for Edmund Sumner for a long time, just for the, the defense and the, the, the speed that he brings to the table that other guys don't. Maybe Yuta in, in place of Joe Harris, you know, th- those kind of tweaks. But the, the roster simply isn't there. This was a team that was thrown together at midseason. And, and I think the silver lining is that the, the, the Suns trade looks like a really good trade to set them up going forward. They have the, the draft assets to make further moves, either whether that's by selecting players or going for the, the Trey Young, Damian Lillard-style deals. They've got guys who are only going to get better, I believe, as they get more reps with these opportunities. Mikael Bridges to, to learn how to deal with double teams, to expand his game as a playmaker. Cam Johnson to learn how to score off the dribble and become a, a threat beyond you know a pull-up jump shooter and a three-point shooter. The, the Twins as, as building blocks. But as far as the, the series goes, it ultimately comes down to the talent deficit. The, the game in game two came down to them missing threes. Um, the series overall is, is coming down to the, the Sixers having a better team. And, and you, there's, you can only get so mad 
about that. Yeah, and look, we said going into it that our plan was going to be stop Joel Embiid and we will live with whatever happens next. And the reality of the situation is that the secondary players who are hitting shots for the Philadelphia 76ers are better than the secondary players on the Nets, you know? And then the secondary players in the Nets are also exhausted from having to double arguably the best player in the league. It's unfortunate, too, because watching this Sixers team play in the way that they're handling Joel Embiid, it was kind of similar to the vision for those Nets teams with the superstars, right? Where we you needed secondary players to hit shots when teams keyed in on the stars. And the Sixers are proving that they can. Uh, P.J. Tucker remains a really good winning player. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has been absolutely unreal lights out and the Sixers are just hitting more shots I don't think that means that the Nets can't win a game I'd love to see them win one game in Brooklyn just to show some improvement over last season but when you're looking at this series from a bigger picture I, I can't see and I can't possibly understand how the takeaway for so many Nets fans that I've seen and listening to spaces and looking on Twitter and all that stuff is that Jacques Vaughn is somehow to blame and that Jacques Vaughn is not making, you know, winning uh, decisions when it comes to coaching. And I think that's just such an interesting take because Jacques Vaughn has made decisions. He's made big decisions. The amount that he has reduced Nick Claxton's role has been a massive, massive decision that we saw benefited the Nets greatly in the last game. Nick Claxton is a player that up until recently played just about every minute he could for the Brooklyn Nets. And he completely eliminated him from the rotation in a matchup that Nick Claxton was, you know, billed as the one player that we had that could maybe, you know, do the most to contribute to stopping Joel Embiid, but he's just too small. He's just too thin and he's not standing his ground and he's getting run through. And that's not on him necessarily because Joel Embiid is that good, but, but it shows limitations, right? It shows limitations. It, 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 shows, right? limitations. it shows that he's, it shows that he's not a complete, he's not a complete defensive powerhouse. And on the same night that, we see the defensive uh, player of the year final rankings come out and Nick Claxton finishes 10th. I was upset with that placement, but it's hard not for the, for the NBA and for the voters to not feel vindicated seeing the way he's getting bullied by a player that it's clear is better. At, you know, it's just more important to double him up with players who can get out to shooters because Nick Claxton, unfortunately, and this is, I think the first time I've ever said this is a little bit limited by his relative lack of mobility in this situation. Well, and he's a limited offensive player, too. I mean, look, he's a good player. Uh, he can get better. He's still very young. But he's not untouchable in my mind. I mean, like, when you talk about Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton, to me, those are the two pieces you would be attaching along with salary and along with draft picks to try and make the big splashy move if that's the way that the Nets do choose to go. Because I do think this team... I, I'm not big into championship or bust mentality because I, I think that leaves you disappointed. I mean, every team but the one is disappointed. And there's there's a lot to be said for winning, you know, more games than you lose every year, going to the playoffs, winning a round, winning two rounds, you know, and and having that happen over a period of five years. And as uh, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Vaccaro writes in, Trey Young would be perfect. Somebody like that you plug into this team with another tweak, you know, another couple of roster tweaks, maybe a, a physical presence, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, I think you're looking at a clear second round team kind of floor, you know, and, and that's where they would be playing with and the, the kind of team that gets right back in the mix into relevancy. Right now, you have a, a hard playing team, a team that plays with pride, a team with likable guys and, and a team with with some players that you're, you feel good about building around in, in Bridges 
and Johnson, but you, you clearly don't have a, a contending team. And we knew that we knew that going in to the series. So I, I'm not sure what else there is to be taken away. I mean, give some credit to Philly. Tyrese Maxey scares me more than James Harden. I would have said that before the series started as well. I mean, that that's a really good roster when when Maxey is arguably your third best player, and, and you could make the case, you know, on many nights the, the second best player. P.J. Tucker scared me more than any player on the team going into the series just because he's relentless going for loose balls, and that's where the, the Nets have gotten uh, killed all year, second-chance opportunities, even if he's you know allowed to have the ball in his hands after the shot clock, uh, <laughs> which was a tough thing to take. So you hope the home cooking helps stuff like that. You hope there's that one game where the threes really drop, uh, the, the the Sixers make some turnovers, and 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 the, the Nets can win a game, and, and you can – uh, feel good about it and go building from there. But I, I think the status hasn't really changed from the end of the season, Hudson. It, it's kind of, all right, we, we knew what we had. We knew we now have the potential to go get more. The worst is behind us in the rear view. And, and you, you just want to get through this series acquitting yourself well. Yeah. And the truth of it is, if you want to be a contending team, you need to have a springboard team before then, Right. The superstar era, big three era Nets needed that 17-18 team to, you know, start, jumpstart Brooklyn as a destination, right? For that players wanted to go and to build a culture, right? So there is nothing overly negative to be upset about with the way this series has gone. I mean, it's gone as the odds makers and as the spread has kind of dictated and everyone sort of expected. But when you watch these games it it it's really unfortunate especially with last game i don't want to feel like the nets are being put in a situation where we can't be only blaming ourselves for the loss i want to blame the nets for that loss i want to give them 100% responsibility but when you watch a game with the amount of refing mistakes and refing decisions from the shot clock all the way down to the way that the refs have called and will continue to call Joel Embiid and his flopping, all of that stuff. I think it just detracts from my experience as a fan because I want to be able to, to say that it was just basketball. That's why the Nets lost last night. But if you're a Nets team that's losing by smaller margins, it's hard not to look at those refereeing decisions and think that, man, if those decisions had gone in a different direction, things would be different. But, you know, at the end of the day it's not going to change anytime soon. So all we are is, you know, shouting into the ether. Well, it might've been different in that game. I don't know if it would be different for the series, but I feel you, I feel the frustration. Uh, I, I, I ultimately think still the biggest difference in that game wasn't those few missed calls as much as the missed threes, but those were big miss. I mean, the, the shot clock violation was a huge swing in the game. D rock. You just saw the chat on the screen with a premium chat, no rebounds, no rings, small ball gimmicks fail. I disagree with that to a certain extent. I mean, the Warriors have played small ball. You know, they've been a dynasty playing small ball with Draymond Green at center. You can rebound playing small ball because you can get to loose balls. You're quick. You're fast. You know, it's just the right personnel out there. And for whatever reason, that group of players has, has not been good enough, uh, no matter what iteration we've seen uh, in, in this era. And that's something Sean Marks is going to have to address this summer, assuming he's the one making the moves. Gross, uh, Ross Pipo, 20, says Trey is inefficient, a locker room headache, and does not play defense. We are looking for undervalued two-way players like Jalen Brown. I don't think Jalen Brown is undervalued, but I would welcome Jalen Brown with open arms. I also think that's a little bit unfair to Trey Young, 
who did, you know, lead a team as the best player to playoff series wins uh, and is a, a fits like a glove, the exact need that the Nets have. I'm not saying there aren't issues with him at all. He's a perfect player, but you know, perfect. You do is have the to sacrifice somewhere, right? There yeah. is no there, unless you're getting, you know, prime LeBron or prime Giannis hitting threes. You're, there's never going to be a perfect superstar that you can plug and play without losing major pieces. You're always going to make sacrifices. Every team is going to have weaknesses. That's why the NBA is interesting. I think, you know, Trey young is one of those players too, where he brings definite weaknesses, but with the way the nets are constructed, it does feel as if, you know, the ability that we have to play defense with our wing players and Mikhail Bridges isn't going anywhere and his defense isn't going anywhere. We will be able to make up for some of those deficiencies, but that is just speculation at this point. And again, Bridges is getting reps dealing with double teams. You know, Cam Johnson is getting reps, you know, with an expanded role. Um, D-Rock, another premium chat. Draymond is a Hall of Fame player. They have Looney, too. I'm not saying they they shouldn't address size in in any way, shape, or form. But you can't just write off – I mean, small ball has been effective for a lot of these teams uh, over the the recent years. I mean, the the Miami Heat were probably the first example at at one point when when they went with Chris Bosh at the five back when that wasn't, you know, a a popular – sort of thing to do. So I do think those lineups can work. You just need guys who are getting to the loose balls. Uh, you know, the problem, you have a, a perfect example, Joe Harris. There's a play last night. There's a loose ball. He should have got, he doesn't get. Instead, he fouls them. They get two free throws. You know, like if Joe Harris is PJ Tucker on that play, the Nets have the ball. And PJ Tucker isn't a big man, but he's if, if Joe Harris is PJ Tucker, the Nets have the ball and they're going the other way. It'll be interesting to see the adjustments Jock Vaughn makes. If any, he seemed happy. With the game plan, we'll see if he gives Cam Thomas a look. We'll see if he gives uh, Edmund Sumner a look, Yuta Watanabe a look, if he leans into the small ball even more, even earlier in the game, even from the opening tip. You know, all bets are off. But let's just hope that the the Nets can get a win. Uh, Again, I'll be in the building in game three. And what what we'll do is, uh, because Keith is is on daddy duty and Hudson – you know, has as job (laughs) – I do too, but (laughs) a lot of them. But, you know, as far as – I will do a, a quick episode on Friday morning at some point, uh, just fresh off the game, just to, to give you guys something. And then we'll all hopefully reconvene for the, the, the rest of the series, whether it's over for a um, season-ending episode uh, or whether it, you know the, the series continues, which would be a good thing, um, as, of course, we're all pulling for the Nets. Hudson, anything else to add? Let's just have fun with it. <laughs> Not for nothing. Last game we lost, but it was fun. For a lot of it, it was we had fight for a lot of it. I let my expectations and my hopes get too high. Let's just have fun with it. Let's just keep these games close. Keep them interesting, because if these are the last two games of Brooklyn Nets basketball for this season, I want to at least go out with some sort of a bang, not a whimper. Right. Let's just get one. Let's get one, baby. Uh, (laughs) Just just win one. Let that be the the mantra for now. And we can go from there uh but you know like i said i'm disappointed they lost that game but i'm not mad i can't really be mad at the effort let me see if i can do this to take us home let's go nets let's go nets brooklyn